Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well in the world right now. Hello everybody, Matt Guy here. I hope everybody is keeping those shorts ready to get your pins out for the sunshine. Pins out to put the bins out. <laughs> if that's not a t-shirt, it should be. Hello everyone. Excellent. Well done, Stu. Fellas, I've got a, um, not grooming, but um. A men's health question for you both. Have okay. you sponsored? No, sadly not. Um, it's just my other half keeps laughing at me because I've started using talcum powder. Is that weird? But my skin on feels your... so much better. On your bollocks? Or, uh, yeah, or my bollocks. People, I feel soft pe- and lovely. People, people talk about it. Um, yeah, but the problem is, I don't want to go into too much depth, but unless you're shaved down there surely would does does that not become a problem talcum powder on hair does that not just make it look like you're doing a phillips uh, phillips gofield <laughs> yeah but we, we all know that he, he's he's part porpoise anyway yeah i say you're talking to the wrong person about the hair part no, this, is tr- this is true <laughs> from my understanding it helps with kind of like moisture control doesn't it i think it keeps you fresh doesn't it with my understanding, I think it does. I've never, I've never, I've never partook, but I'm willing to give it a try if you, if you give it your seal of approval. I, I fully Is, recommend it. Did you only do it because I was talking about it a few, like a few weeks ago, saying when it was banned for cancer? I don't remember you talking about it saying it was banned for cancer. It, it might have been on the fan casting where I it must have uh, been. <laughs> I said when it was banned for years because, in, especially in America, for uh, leading to giving people cancer because of what was in it. And it was actually banned for a while. Oh, shit, okay. Well, some somehow this, uh, by sheer coincidence, happened to factor into my TikTok algorithm the other day because someone, I think, I don't know if it was Henry Cavill or someone, went on like a talk show and basically said, what you've got to do is one one puffed at the front, one puffed at the back, and then you, you're good. I don't know. I don't know. Is there a technique to this? I don't know. Hmm. That, that's... Sort of what I'm going with. That, that's my general game. It's two at the front and one at the back. But yeah, that makes sense. Is it in a squidgy bottle? Yeah, yeah. It's that big, like Johnson's baby talcum yeah. powder. That's what we got in trouble the once when we was um, me and my cousin Andy. We um, <laughs> we were in our youth, and we used to get these white label vinyls, and we used to, used to have like a disco set in in Nan's back room, and. Um, he got this old thing made up because his idol was like one of the mobile DJs that you get at the club on a like Friday and Saturday night. Mm. And so he started doing it in Nan's back room. <laughs> and like a few mates used to come around as well. And we were like 14, 15 at the time. And he got this, um, he went to a hardware shop and you know them, them disco balls, the, the yeah. little ones. So he had, he had a few of them around the room. And um, he decided that it'd be a great idea to get a fan and like a one of them oscillating fans, and just throw talc into it <laughs> <laughs> as, as a smoke machine. <laughs> Not thinking ahead that the tank, that it has to land somewhere. Yeah. So then as soon as I turn the lights on, it looked like we'd been snowed down here or somewhere. <laughs> we, we then did that again. But I think that was probably the last time I ever saw talc in the wild. Yeah, it, I think it's making a comeback. Right, Literally so... comeback in your case. <laughs> right, so we'll move on to some film questions and news and whatnot. 
first up, we had a little bit of the Batman news. Um, Colin Farrell confirmed that Oswald Cobblepot was apparently supposed to smoke a cigar in the film. However, it was vetoed by the studios because it would have resulted in an automatic 18 rating. Like, whilst we can all agree that smoking is not good for you, should it be an automatic 18 rating in a film? Smoking is a legal thing that people do. It has an age restriction, so... But, you know, so does driving, and they show driving in films. So, Matt, is this a bit of an overreaction? I think it's a, a massive overreaction, to be honest. Um, yes, I, I'm thinking of their justification, not what I think is a justification, but I'm guessing they're thinking if this... But it's not like the hero is smoking, so it's not like even the Penguin mm. is influential enough to, you know, misguide the youths of today. Um I think it is a bit of an overreaction, but, you know, we don't stop. Things don't become 18s because we start showing things how they did in the 1920s where people smoke like chimneys or, you know, when soldiers used to take cocaine or like opium, like opiates, you know what I mean? It doesn't mm-hmm. automatically make it. It's silly, really. I mean, it's, it's, that's, it's that adage of like, you know, when when does that stop? When does someone then being like gluttonous or just drinking lots of alcohol then make it an eighteen either? Do you know what I mean? Because they're just yeah. as bad for you. So it is an overreaction. Stu, do you agree with that? Amazingly, not. <laughs> I, I don't. Matt, I mean, what is there one of these for alcohol? Is there one of these for drinking? So I, I don't th- actually know. I assume if it would be a case of abuse of alcohol and abuse of drugs, then it is an 18. I think casual use of uh, drugs and alcohol, I don't think, is an automatic 18. Whatever the level for them are, it should be the same for fags. Mm. So, Cigarettes for our American uh, audience. Yeah. Yeah, you just read, just just put it into Google for you. Find out that way. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it... Just put it at what the others are. If that's 18, then 18, fine. If that's 15, leave it 15. You can't you can't put one in that bracket and not the others. Mm. But if that if that bracket is out, I mean, I generally don't know. I've got no idea. Um, other than maybe because I don't care. Because <laughs> we watch it anyway because we like nearly 40. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, it, uh, you can't classify it as anything more than drugs and alcohol, really. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It was something I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. It's now been confirmed to be correct. Uh, Bullet is coming back. The all guts and no glory San Franciscan cop, um, who was obviously portrayed by Steve McQueen in the classic movie. And it's going to be Steven Spielberg helming it. I mean, Spielberg is quite an interesting choice for a gritty cop movie. I've sort of got a bit of a newfound respect for Spielberg over the last few years because he seems to be doing things that you don't necessarily associate with him. But obviously, Steve McQueen was known as the King of Cool, who is cool enough in Hollywood to take on that mantle now. Stu? Idris Elba. Easy. He's the coolest fucker, isn't he? Mm. I mean, I can't believe that he's on the soundtrack to Gran Turismo 7. (laughs) (laughs) That is quite wild, isn't it? And he's in the, there's a, the music video on the PlayStation YouTube channel, and he's there with glass, sunglasses on inside. So <laughs> that's all. That's all you need, really. Yeah. So yeah, Idris yeah. all the way. 
Matt, are you team Idris or have you got someone else in mind? Uh, it's a hard one, this, because I think, like, um, I've already mentioned him once today, but Henry Cavill is, is, is everywhere all of a sudden, but he's also appearing in, like, Games Workshop and <laughs> things like that. So he's not exactly the epitome of cool, is he? But he's just, like, as suave as they get and, you know, he's incredibly handsome and chiseled and everything else. But I suppose that doesn't necessarily... That's not necessarily Steve McQueen's bag either, is it? You know... Mm. I suppose being rough and ready is more is more his style. I don't know. They'll probably end up putting fucking Spider Man, the child Spider Man, in what's his name? Um, <laughs> fucking Tom Holland too seems to be. Yeah, everywhere. They'll, yeah. They'll probably put Tom Holland as it. Unfortunately, only if it's made by Sony. That's the rules. <laughs> yeah, I said I I went with um, Michael B. Jordan. I think he's a very cool dude who can pull off both the suave and sophisticated and the the rough and ready looks. I think he, he would be a really good choice for that type of character. Uh, obviously, you've just mentioned one Spider-Man. There's been news of one of the other Spider-Men. Initially, there was rumours of it being the Amazing Spider-Man 3, but that's thankfully died down now. But they're talking about the return of Spider-Maguire and doing Spider-Man 4. At this point, should we just let that die now? Like, we've all had our fun... It was nice to see Tobey Maguire back, but really, this shit now, after, what, 15, 16, 17 years since the last one? And didn't we get Spider Maguire's story told in No Way Home? Stu, you're the resident Marvel nonce. What do you think? It depends how they do it. I mean, it's it's not going to be, MC- well, everything's MCU in a way now, but... It's it's going to be a Sony film, so they don't have to play by the rules, do they? If they want to go a bit more, if they went a bit Logan like and play on the fact that he is old and knackered, like he kind of, I mean, he, he barely had the mask on, did he? <laughs> in the in whatever that film, the last one was called. <laughs> even though, even <laughs> I'm baffled now. Um, so if if it's interesting enough, then yeah, fine. But just doing it for the sake of doing it, no. There's no, there's no, there's enough of them anyway. There's, there's no need to pad, pad it out more than we need to do that in the first place. So, it, it the last one, I mean, when I rewatched them last year on my kind of on my quest to get up to, up to speed again, but Raimi's Spider-Man Three wasn't anywhere near as bad as I remembered it being. Mm. It wasn't good, but yeah. it wasn't anywhere near as bad as I thought at first. In fact, the original was did not hold up at all. So, if they went back and did some, bring back a few people, and he had the whole thing where he mentioned about him and Mary Jane, they what did they say they're working on things or something like that? Then maybe if if there's a decent story to be told, then I've got no problem with it. If they're just doing it for the sake of doing it, then forget it. Mm. Matt, would you be interested in more Spider Man and? Kristen Dunst returning. I mean, I think Stu's got it spot on. Really, if they went, if, if they took it down, uh, played on the fact that actually Maguire's now more weathered and he's, you know, lamenting, you know, the problems he's had in the past. But now, I don't, cause they, they can't even really tie it into No Way Home, can they? Um, yeah. they can, can they? Like licensing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, now because like they, a... they'll just they'll just do it so well because of what happened before. Mm. What happened when I was away, or just a kind of glimpse at that? I mean, yeah. it's still all cross pollination, it's still a Marvel character mm. in the end. So, 
so like, yeah, I mean, you know, if it was used as a way, I don't know, like again with the IPs, if they use this as a way of bringing in Miles Morales or or what, I don't know. I the thing, the thing is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I think because looking at a, in my research for a later question, there are some fucking shocking <laughs> films out there that have made uh, a serious amount of money. So it really doesn't matter what I think anyway. Does it that quality does not equal um, doesn't necessarily equal the box office? No, that is very true. Obviously, I've not got this in the running order, but you put in the group yesterday, I think it was Stu, uh, rumours about another Spider-Man, and it was going to be Miles Morales finally making his way onto the big screen, but it was going to be Jaden Smith. <laughs> I'm not excited. I like, I love Miles Morales. He's probably he's my Spider-Man. Not being a massive Marvel fan, he was the first version of that character I really got into. But Jaden Smith, Stu, come on. I mean, we don't want Jaden Smith, do we? He's not Puerto Rican, is he? For one, <laughs> that that is a bit of an issue. Yeah, yeah. So true. <laughs> it's like uh, not not all brown people are the same people. I mean, come on. It's, <laughs> I mean that that was. I mean the fact that it's Jaden Smith anyway is bad enough. But that whole point, the whole point. I mean, every, I mean everyone apart from Matthew there has played the game mm. and how how yeah. wonderful that game is and how they're they're not say sympathetic. How they kind of emphasise everything about his that side of him. Mm-hmm. And it not just being New York and all that stuff. So that's a critical part of the character that you can't have if you just give it to a black boy. <laughs> it just mm. doesn't make any sense. So no, there has to be some Puerto Rican actors, young actors that we don't know of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, I remember you saying previously you were a big fan of The Pursuit of Happiness, which mm-hmm. was Jaden Smith's first film. Yeah. He hasn't really done anything to that standard since, has he? No, it's interesting because when I said to you, I was listening to um, uh, Will Smith's audio, but he talks about um, obviously the pursuit of happiness and how the studio were dead against um, Jade, it's Jade, Jade and Pinkett Smith doing, you know, that role. Mm. Um, but his first proper role was they did they did a sci-fi film. I can't remember what it was called. Af- After uh, Earth was it? Yeah, After Earth, and it was such a bomb. Such a bomb, and it was like everybody pinned it on Jade and not Will Smith because Will Smith was this mega superstar that never had a bad box office, Mm. and like kind of since then he's like his 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 acting career is just through through a kind of he's been been tainted from that film onwards. Really, he really has, and that film is an absolute shocker of a movie. Um, But he's had a bit of a triumvirate of shit going for it to be perfectly honest mm. so it was obviously Jaden Smith who no one had ever really taken to and it was Will Smith's um, Scientology-esque based movie mm. and if I remember correctly yeah it's M. Night Shyamalan so there's a lot of sort of bad will going into that film anyway and then it just shut the bed it was it, I think it's about two and a half three hours long as well it really drags it's terrible. Uh, But anyway, we'll move on to the more fun side of superheroes, and The Boys is back. We've had an animated series of eight shorts recently drop, The Boys Diabolical. I've watched them now, so they're eight 15-minute short films. They're all separate individual stories. They've all got their own individual art style. Um, They've got 
like there's an episode by Justin Roiland from Rick and Morty. There's a weird, weird rom-com sort of one. There's one where it's the beginnings of um, Homelander, his first mission. There's a bit of everything in there. Stu, have you seen it yet? No, I was sa- I was saving it for Boys Week when it, when yeah. it comes back. That sounds a bit um, Animatrix-like. Yeah, it, it is. It's got a bit of everything, which makes it quite cool. And because they're 15 minutes, they're quite easily digestible. I thought they were longer than that. I mean, that, that could be whacked out in an afternoon, really. Mm, yeah. Um, um, I, might, I might change my mind. I might go for that early. I might do that tomorrow, actually. It's a nice taster because we're not getting the boys season three until the 3rd of June. Mm. Matt, have you seen Diabolical yet? No, I haven't. No, to be fair. Um, listen, this is how far behind I am. I've only, uh, well, we're to talk about it in a short while. I'm very far behind pretty much everything. And one Elden Ring has to be blamed for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I, I would recommend if you need a break, like I say, it's eight episodes at 15 minutes. So... It's as long as a movie, really, if you get a couple of hours to yourself. Enjoyable. But, Matt, you've got to be looking forward to season three of The Boys. Such oh, a yeah. Show. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it was left in um, it was left in a, I wouldn't quite say cliffhanger because there's nothing, there's, you know, there's no big reveal or anything. But it was left, you were left wanting and it feels like a good amount of time has passed. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to it. it. It's a breath of fresh air amongst some of the more serious shows I've been watching as of late. Mm. Stu Jensen Ackles is going to be in this series playing Soldier Boy. Um, Jensen Ackles, he, Supernatural, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you're a fan of that. What can we expect from Jensen Ackles? Well, he's. I've I've seen him in Supernatural and the um, the. My Bloody Valentine remake. Well, oh, My Bloody yeah, Valentine yeah, slash in 3D. Um, this was the main selling point of that film where he played a bad guy. So he he seems to have more than people give him credit for. Obviously, mm. because he looks a certain way, everyone thinks oh, he's, he gets a pass for being the pretty boy and all that kind of stuff. Well, not so much now, but he's a bit more rugged now. But yeah, I mean, it, he has got a bit of everything. He has got the kind of smarmy comic timing as well, down to a T. Obviously, in Supernatural, where sometimes they go bad anyway, and whatever, over 15 years, you kind of, you get a, you get to see a bit of everyone's character in mm. that show. So I, th- I was really excited when I saw that he was actually doing any- anything at all. When uh, Jerry went and did a remake of Walker, Texas Ranger, which is not that great, really. Um mm. Didn't really seem to suit him down to the ground. I mean, I gave it a go, but it just wasn't wasn't great. So, hopefully, you know, I've got no doubt that Jensen Ackles will be amazing in this because he was in Supernatural for fifteen mm-hmm. years, and he seems to be one of us as well. And they're the whole the whole family family kind of mentality about that show seems to be the same with the boys cast as well. Yeah. So, I think he'll he'll just slot in perfectly. Mm. That's good. The only thing I know him from, he was a villain in Smallville, which is why I've never warmed to him because he was the bad guy in that series. So I've just never been able to take him anywhere else. But he has done. Um, he was Batman in the animated Long Halloween um, adaptation from last year and this year, I think it was, if I remember correctly. Part one. And, oh yeah, part one and two. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Uh, finally, a bit of Nick news. At the time of recording, the unbearable weight of massive talent has hit the tomato meter. And after 19 reviews, it is sat on 100%. <laughs> Obviously, it's still very early days. And I presume we'll get more as we get closer to its release date. Um, but it's looking like it could be challenging Pig for Cage's best reviewed film. Pig finished with 96% on the tomato meter. Is now the right time to be doing a podcast about Nicolas Cage, do we think, lads? <laughs> well, our, we can cash our chips in now. Our stock will never be higher. <laughs> and the fact that we, we, we were there in the bad times. That's it. We've sat through all of it. But, I mean, early signs looking very positive. Um, the latest trailer dropped last week. It looks as fun as all the others. I'm really excited for this. And of course, because it's got our boy Pedro in as well, that, that always helps. Yeah. Yeah. As as usual. And I, mean, I watched, I'm going to watch the trailer by mistake when I, I saw it in the cinema last year, not knowing what it was. Mm. And then as soon as I saw him on the screen, I thought, nope. So I did my thing and I haven't seen anything since then. And that's that's as I intend it to be now until release day. <laughs> it can't come soon enough. Right, that's the news done then. Uh, listener questions. Have we had anything in Matthew? We have, we have. Some of our old faithful have been in touch. So let's do some quick firers. Uh, uh, one really for, well, I, I assume you know the Simpsons. You know the, at least the characters, don't you? You might not have watched much of it, but you know who they are. I know some of them. Yeah. So Richard Hobbs, some sadist has decided to make a live action Simpsons movie. Who would be in your cast and why, sadly, Chris Pratt inevitably end up playing Homer? <laughs> so, Andy, you um, you go first on this and we'll give Stu a chance to have a think. Right. I mean, I probably would put Chris Pratt in there. I, I feel guilty for liking Chris Pratt, but he was Andy Dwyer in Parks and Rec, and I love Parks and Rec. Um, I, I think I'd want Florence Pugh as Lisa. She might be, she'd probably be too old for it, but... I don't know any really young actors, so we could set it in maybe 15 years past the, where the show is now. Mm. So we're looking at maybe a 20-something-year-old Lisa. So we'd need a 30-something-year-old Bart. Um, I'll have to think. Tom about. Holland. Tom Holland, because Tom Holland's in everything, yeah. Um, so Marge, who could we put in us? Marge. Um you would probably go for someone like maybe oh, not Sharon Stone because I don't think Marge is a, a sexual character quite like Sharon Stone is. But you need someone who's got that Meryl Streepness. We'll go with Meryl Streep. We'll go with Meryl Streep. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Stu, do you know any other characters well enough to be able to throw any names into the mix? I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He could play Mr. Burns, but I, oh, I'm thinking of the guy at a succession, but I don't know what his name is. Um, Brian Cox. No, no, Brian Cox. It's what is um it's his assistant Frank. Um, let me just find it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I know I know a handful of characters. I mean, it, it's been on for like nearly thirty years. I do know a few people. Um, it, it's a shame our boy Pedro would look really strange with a proper thick American accent because I'd like to see him play Snake, the the <laughs> convict Snake. Yeah, that'd be excellent. My friend Phil does a Peter really Friedman. good snake impression. Peter Freeman's a good shout, yeah. He's got the burns about him. 
see Montgomery Burns. Um, so Ash Dolan, God, or whatever, or in whatever form you believe, pulls you aside and say you can bring back one celebrity from the dead to continue their work. Who do you pick? And for bonus points, what do they do next, Stu? Um, celebrity or actor, or any? Is he just saying celebrity? No, it just says celebrity. So if you want to bring back a, you know, some equestrian, you feel free. <laughs> <laughs> well, people taken too early, and it's obviously going to be Michael Jackson, just to carry on. Because we we can't have Timberlake ruling the roost forever. And <laughs> if he if if he hadn't had things, that Martin Bashir hadn't got his nosy mitts into his life, then he, he would have still been great. So, sure, you you realise the question about which which pedos do we exclude from their art was a question last week. Don't you? It doesn't matter. He's still dead and he can still be back. (laughs) Dear me. Uh, Andy. Um, I'll tell you what I was thinking of the other day. Bernie Mac. Such a good comedic actor who never had that real big breakout role. He was always like a bit part character in whatever he was in, and he was always hilarious. Even like in the first Transformers film, he was fucking great in that, just in his like two minute cameo. So I'd love to see him come back and give him something like a coming to America style comedy, something a bit big and silly, and give him all the screen time he wants. I don't know that. He had quite a lot in Bad Santa, though. He did. That I think that was probably his biggest role to to the point of like in his career everything else he was always with the main guy he was never the main guy hmm. i remember when um like he really could turn like some dirge roles like he could he could put some comedy stake on there i remember when he was in charlie's angels and he said something he was trying to infiltrate some base and he was like tr- like claiming to be like some irish part of some irish gang anyway <laughs> yeah you never heard of the you never heard of the Black Irish. What do you think? Of, who do you think invented the Big Mac, or something like that? And it was just, <laughs> it, was just it was proper funny. I just remember it really, really well. Yeah, he was class. Who would you have, Matt? Um, because when you think about like artists that are took like too soon, or film film people that are took too soon, don't know. Really, I'm always going to go down the wrestling the wrestling like side of things. I think. Mm. And end up well, well, actually, in the news, like I don't know how when this is released timeline. See, Scott Hall's gone um, as of yesterday at the time of recording, which is very, very sad for the wrestling yeah. fans amongst us. Um, I, I think just so I could re get another photo taken of the. Have you, did you see that photo that I had with Rowdy Roddy Piper, Andy? Did I show you the other day? Yes, yes, I've seen that. We a horrendous side-on view where I look about twice the weight I am. <laughs> yeah. I want to basically want to bring Roddy Piper back so I can have that photo retaken <laughs> for purely selfish <laughs> reasons. <laughs> yeah, that's who Excellent. I want to bring back. Um, David Evans, hot take question. Would The Eternals actually be seen as a good movie if it was a non-MCU movie, not even related to Marvel at all, just its own independent sci-fi film? That is a hot take. Who wants to be brave? Oh, he's doing this to wind me up, eh? Um, well, in some sense, yeah, because a lot of things... Would, but no, because a lot of it doesn't make sense anyway, regardless of any of the linking with anything else. I mean, we've done this to death about how they 
we don't interfere, but then they show half whole the film interfering with things in the past. Um, the accent thing is forever going to wind me up. <laughs> so this, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be like two out of ten. It'd probably be a four. Um, but there's bigger problems with that nonsense than just being linked to the MCU. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it would make it a better film. I think if it wasn't within the Marvel confines and um, Chloe Zhao was given a bit more free reign, I think she could make a more competent film. I think she's kind of hamstrung by having to work within the sandbox. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair. Um, finally, this is a great question. This is this is this is getting in amongst the weeds now. Would you rather spend six months recovering from two broken legs in Arkham Asylum, or have Scarecrow as your GP for six years? The wonderful Andrew Wright wants to know. <laughs> Andy, um, that's tough, isn't it? Because I think if you were I in mean, Arkham Asylum well, for six months, you would need to have a psychiatrist. Then you came out. Well, the thing is, I mean, looking at, our, you know, in this country, some of the doctors under our um, or our NHS scarecrow might not have been actually the worst of the worst. <laughs> He's better than a shipman, I suppose, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Stu, would you prefer to have two broken legs in Arkham? Well, I don't go to the... I very rarely go to the doctors anyway, so just, just having the presence of scarecrow there as a deterrent would be enough. So I'd take the risk there of being ill within that six-month period. What would it take for you to go to the doctor? Is it got to be bleeding from an orifice, Stu, to make <laughs> you want to go to the doctor? Or... Um, last time... Other than other than the, uh, the old SNP consultancy, um, I don't think the last time I went. I can't remember, you know? I don't... I don't... Uh, no? Nothing's really other than when I did my ankle, probably when when I had to get it checked out. Was that but again? Oh that no, was, that, that wasn't when you were playing football with me, was it? No, no, that was that, that was, was hamstring. Hand, that, yeah. yeah. No, that was when. But even again, that was A and E. That wasn't the doctors. So no, I can't remember that. I can't remember the last time I went to the doctors. There at all. So, so they, you've answered your own question. Fantastic. Well, that's the questions for this week. Thank you, everybody. As always, get your questions in. We will answer them. Lovely. Super. Thank you very much. Uh, hot take corner, then. Uh, it's more Penguin news this time. So the Penguin spin-off series, which had been... Ru- I'll try that again. The Penguin spin-off series, which had been rumoured, has now been ordered to series by HBO Max. It will be about the rise of Oswald throughout the ranks of the criminal underworld. So it will be set between, I presume, the film we've just seen and whatever is to come in the future. So between this series and the Arkham Asylum series, which was formerly the GCPD-centric um, one, the Bat Universe looks like it's going to be getting built on the small screen. So surely this is going to definitely lead to more Bat films. but. With the HBO streaming service now seemingly being the priority, how do we see a shift in focus impacting on actual television, what you see on the airwaves now? Because even to a lesser extent, there's stuff which is on UK TV, which is I, uh, which is iPlayer exclusive first, such as stuff like Fleabag and This Is Going To Hurt, the hypernormalisation docu-series that was out last year. Are we going to see a move, do you think, from... Stuff being exclusive to TV to stuff being exclusive to 
um, your 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 streaming services and maybe your just drop services, yeah. Drop your odd episode in here and there. How is this going to affect TV, basically, Matt? What do you think? Yeah, you're right, but like it, it already feels like a shame. Like we're not gonna, yeah, we will have like calendar viewing because it will be the release date of the show, I suppose, on these platforms. But it it won't fit, you know. There is something quite special about you know watching something in live time with everybody else at the same time, going on Twitter and having a look like during the ad breaks and stuff like that, or seeing reactions or checking your WhatsApp groups that you're in and stuff like that, and not having that will be a shame i think um i suppose it the difficulty is it, it's a massive change because even stuff as silly as like ad breaks in tv shows will be a thing of the past because you let's say you're watching a video on youtube for example that ad break just comes in whenever the fuck it wants do you know what i mean it's you, the youtube content isn't necessarily filmed for the ad breaks it's just kind of shoehorned in pacing of shows will change and all sorts because like you know when you're watching something on netflix well there aren't any adverts are there that you've, you've got to do an hour if you're doing an hour show you've got to do an hour's worth of content so it's going to have like massive implications if we move away from um you know tv being the sole form and then we then upload the content to these streaming platforms it's it's going to be a monumental change Stu, how do you think it'll uh, change the way we, we have done things for, what, 60-odd years? I can't wait. This is, what, <laughs> this is what I said a few weeks ago, the people kind of attacked me for, that I can't wait for the old people to all die and go away. Because when this all happened... I mean, you are right, Matt, about the... Um, I mean, Line of Duty was the last one for us, where it went every Sunday night, apparently the entire, the entire country who hadn't bothered for the, the five years before, <clears throat> five seasons before then... <clears throat> Uh, suddenly got all involved in it, but yeah, um, it's just the sign again, sign of the times, really. I mean, I other than football, I don't watch anything when it's on. I just, why would you? What's mm. the point? I mean, even things now, like I'd like before I'd record them and then I'd fast forward through the adverts anyway, so I still wouldn't see them. I mean, now, I mean, you do get adverts on ITV Hub and and four, whatever the four one is. Um, so you do get them there, but the, even then they're annoying. So, and then you can pay. I think it's three ninety nine a month on ITV Hub to have it without adverts. So, mm. if everything's going to be a tiny little thing like that for a little bit of subscription and just go that way, bring it on. I just, I don't sit there and flick through channels. I haven't done that for probably about ten years. Mm. It's just something I just don't do. Yeah. But even things like, I mean, it's. It's well known that I'd watched Coronation Street from the age of seven years old. And from probably the second week of this year, I've got, I checked earlier because I was watching the um, Champions League highlights from this week. And I'd, I've got 48 episodes there because I haven't been bothered. I thought, no, it's now time to cut, to cut away. Coronation Street is now dead to me after 30 years of you. 30, 31 years of my life. Uh, I, need to, I need to say no. And I haven't missed it, so it can now go away. And that was like one of the last bastions of me watching normal old people telly. That it was one of them things that they all talked about. But there's more. There's, there's too much. There's too much choice and too little time to be mm. bothering with shit anymore. Mm. So I think it'll always be there because you'll always get people who want to watch this morning for whatever reason. 
when they could be spending their time doing something else. So I don't think you'll ever get rid of it. Like you've never got you've never got rid of radio. You've still got millions of radio stations. But I think the focus being on streaming and being on for people who live in the future, like we do, then yeah, bring it on. I think it's going to be interesting because obviously the model, especially in America at the moment, is very much that you've got HBO, you've got Peacock, you've got NBC. Oh no, NBC or Peacock, aren't they? But you've got each of their own different channels have got their own streaming service. Obviously, we don't really have that in the UK because we have Sky and then we've got Catch Up TV on the uh, the others for, for the most. It'll be interesting once that gets adopted over here, because obviously it is eventually going to happen and how that is going to impact on your more mainstream streamers, your Netflix, your Prime, the ones which aren't beholden to your TV stations. I wonder how that's going to come out, because when, for example, like Stu, we watched Peacemaker, they were each 45 minute episodes. They were traditional TV length the pacing, the beginning and ending, it was all a proper TV show. If you compare that to something you've watched on Netflix, you can get an episode that's 40 minutes long. You can get one that's an hour and 20 minutes long. There's no continuity to them. So Mm. I wonder how it's going to impact your Netflixes and stuff once we go further on down the line. It's quite an interesting future that we've got ahead. When you mentioned Peacemaker there, I mean, the fact that they they announced it, this week that Peacemaker's coming here, finally. Like, why? But, I mean, people are getting all excited. and Well, we've everyone who was interested has already watched it, and you've lost money from that reason. We know, we know they're under contract with Sky and everything, but if you can get a streamer and sell it worldwide, then you ain't going to... Then that kills piracy straight away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make it easy and cheap for people to do it, and they'll do it properly. Yeah. We've said so, this before on this podcast, yeah. if you give people the option to pay a reasonable amount, they would sooner do that than go through the rigmarole of illegal means. You're always going to get some who will, don't get me wrong. But they, they, they didn't even give us the option to, did they? So Yeah, I mean, it's like, the, like Premier League highlights. I mean, you can pay for, what, 60 quid for a season in America. Mm. For pe- I mean, your peacock sounds quite shit anyway. Um, but... Beside the point, if you if they went streaming, which they could do in the next in three years' time, and charge what nine ninety nine a month, yeah, for every game on whatever device you want, people will lap it up. Mm. And they've got think... all the Premier League World content that we don't get here either, and all this stuff. Again. It's the future, just bring it now. Yeah, I think once like some of these contracts with Sky end, we'll start to see a shift in this country. So mm. we will see more. You'll, we'll see the HBO Max and the, the Premier League TV eventually. I think Sky have just got the, uh, the market cornered currently. So we'll move on to the non-film question, which is mine. Uh, I want to know, what is the best comedy or novelty song, Matt? Um, well, I'll go to what I th- I personally enjoy the most, but then I'll talk about what I think is probably the biggest. Um, it started off as Tenacious D in my youth. It moved to Steel Panther. And they of, of more recent tastes. I'm quite into like I know I'm really late to the party, but like Flight of the Concords. I think I don't I don't know this for fact, but I think if you looked at kind of sales or plays or whatever, 
you've got to probably say Tenacious D's tribute is up there as one of the most recognisable mm-hmm. to the the everyman. I think you know. I think the majority of people will have heard this. Like most people's parents probably have heard of tribute in some capacity. <laughs> Yeah. So I'd go tribute for me. I think it's the most accessible and one of the and still a great song, you know. You know, with with a fantastic video. Mm. Yeah, the video, the video to a song cannot be underestimated. I think it can make a good song great and a great song epic, and I think that's what it does for for tribute. Mm-hmm. Stu, I mean, I don't even think this song has got a video that. I... And if it has, I've never seen it in my life. But it doesn't matter because everyone knows it, and it's Agadoo by Black Lace. <laughs> because why wouldn't it be? Every part, every party, every family gathering, wedding, christening, funeral, blah blah blah. It's always going to be played, regardless. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's going to be played. You all know the words. You can deny it all you want. You can pull a little face. And <laughs> <laughs> but Black Lace are amazing. And you, you could throw all the whole Black Lace compendium in there. For they are a novelty band, we all know that, mm. but in a very different way with the tenacious DR. Um, yeah, Americans look up at this. I was going to say, I'd this. love to know if our American listeners have any idea who they no. are. I mean, you, you talk about the dog, uh, Joe Dolce and all that kind of nonsense as well. They ain't got have a clue who these people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Agadoo by Black Lace, hundred percent. There's got to be an American equivalent to a Black Lace, a band who just does silly kiddie party hits and nothing else. I wonder who that would be. Let us know, please, because I'm, I'm intrigued by that one. That's exactly who I thought you was going to pick, those two. Like, <laughs> to a fucking take, that's who I thought you was going to go for. <laughs> I mean, I did have, remember the hamster song? Nope. <laughs> Are you making this up? Ringing the bells. No, I actually but I bought the hamster song. On um, on CD <laughs> single, um, and for some reason, it was stolen from Goldie's car in Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> Just that one, though. Yeah. Nothing else. No, they, they stole my uh, my square phone as well. Oh, I remember this one. No. That's enough that we're going to get struck for. <laughs> um, excellent. <laughs> Never heard of it before. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, great choice, Jim. <clears throat> uh, my answer, I, I was thinking about Tenacious D because I think they are probably the most recognisable of the the comedy bands, generally speaking. I prefer Fuck Her Gently. I think that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like the first time I heard that, I, I genuinely laughed at it. I thought it was just a phenomenal, great song. And it really does tell you a lot about Tenacious D, who they are. But I want to bring it a little bit more up to date, and I'm going with the Lonely Island. Of course, yeah. I, I mean, I've already said on this podcast that I'm a big fan of Andy Samberg, and it's his band, so obviously it's going to be my cup of tea. Um, and it's the song by someone who Stu's already confessed that he hates. It's the one he did with Justin Timberlake, "Dick in a Box," which is probably one of their lesser-known hits out of all of the ones they've done. I know I think they won an Emmy for it, so like it has got a bit of pedigree. But everyone knows the one they did with Michael Bolton about the Pirates of the Caribbean and the YOLO with the dude from Maroon 5. But Dick in a Box is legitimately funny when you just see them talking about um, giving a present as their junk in a box for Kwanzaa and 
everything else. I just think oh it's a God. really, really funny song. It is. It's it is a really, great video it is really as well. good. It, the fact that it spawned um, Mother Lover and the Golden Rule as well, which yeah. are all the same, the, the, the two the two of them as characters is is fantastic. To be fair, um, it's a brilliant trilogy, isn't it? That yeah, it really is. Very like it's like it, it's it's one of those um, the Lonely Island are one of those bands or, or, or groups or whatever that they're really quotable, like to your friends in the same way you'd quote a funny film or TV show. Yeah, like some of the like some of the lyrics of their songs are really good. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, I just had sex as well. It's a fucking belter of a song, the one with Acorn. Like they've genuinely got a really good discography. Like I don't mm. think they've got many bad tracks to them. Never heard of these people before. Have oh you not? mate, right. I'm just, I'm just, I... The second this podcast ends, I want you to watch Natalie's rap and then Natalie's rap 2.0. <laughs> yes, they're just great. And yeah. I don't hate I don't hate Timberlake. Just, just put it that put it I just didn't think he, he was when he was borderline Michael Jackson tribute act for a, a few months mm. with a few songs that he was putting out. Oh, a lot of time with Justin Timberlake. He, looks, he's, he seems quite a decent bloke. Um, but yeah, he's just not Michael Jackson. Let's just clear that up. I, I I've been to see Justin Timberlake. It was on his Justified tour, so it was like his first solo tour. And my mate was going, so I was like, well, I'll just, I'll come with you, you know. I'll, I'll go and see most bands live. And I've got to say, it was such a good show. I was expecting it to be fine, not really my bag. And it ended up just being a, one of like the best shows I've seen. It was like the whole stage production and everything they put on was tremendous. So yeah, I've got a lot of time for, for Justin Timberlake as well, to be fair to him. Right, so the next question is, what you've been watching? Stu? So... As I kind of mentioned earlier, <laughs> I finally finished uh, Succession up to the end of season three, which finished in November last year, um, which I just not got round to. And yeah, just strangely a nine episode season, not a ten. For again, for who knows why, but episode um, eight and nine were at ten minutes longer than usually are. Oh, okay. Which HBO? Who knows? Again. Mm. Kind of do what they want when they need to. So they can extend them and bring them in. So that model works there, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, just incredible TV. You know, I've I've got I was talking about it on the um on the couch to Everton last week, and a few people who I'd mentioned to a few weeks before who listened to the podcast said, "Well, yeah, good good spot that was." So well, it's a really good spot. It's been out for years, but <laughs> just because I've never talked about it to anyone. Because it went away because of COVID, and then it came back. But yeah, fourth season confirmed. Probably the end of this year might be the last one, and it's got maybe one, one and a half left in it, and it'll be per- it'll be one of them perfect series where they've said they'll end it before it gets stale, which is the right thing to do. Yeah, that's what you want. Um, other than that, binged uh, Formula One: Drive to Survive season four in preparation for the new season, which is just finished. Well, just started as you listen to this. Um, on the Sunday, so, yeah. There's no point now. That I, I've been pummeling this uh, <laughs> this flag. Watch this series if you don't like Formula One as well. Every single year, no one listens to me. Um, it's not really about the sport, air quotes. It's more about the people and the the kind of things involved in the background of it and stuff. And mm. apparently, there's a MotoGP version on Amazon as well, which I'll be interested to see if it. If it is the case of if you don't know anything about the 
MotoGP, which I don't really, if you can kind of watch it in that kind of format. So I'm going to give that a go next. Um, because that was recommended by Ryan, again, who listened silently. Um, yeah, and the other one was I'd started something that I mentioned before, but Foundation. Don't on, remember that one. It's an Apple TV Plus thing. Um, yeah, I do, yeah. The budget must be ridiculous, how good it looks. It's... You look at it and you think this is like Disney level, Disney mm. Plus level, what they were spending on Star Wars, because there's no way it should be a TV show with it. With I mean, it, hopefully, it's not just the first two episodes and the rest is just uh, all in corridors where you can't see outside. But some of the some of the effects and the CG in this is some of the best I've ever seen on a TV show, and it's quite, it's even quite well made. It, it's decent so far from the first two, so. It might be worth giving a go. We'll see. I'll stick mm. with that one. It's Jared Harris, isn't it? That one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do like him. Like he was fucking phenomenal in um, Chernobyl. And to be fair, everything he's, I've seen him in, he's always been a really, really good actor. But yeah, well, let it, me know it, how that one goes. I'm, I'm interested in that one. He was the reason I, as, when I saw him in the trailer when it was. Yes, it was one of them where because we got all got the, the six month trial for when mm. Ted Lasso was on, <laughs> and. Um, it was on the I put it on the watch list when I saw the trailer for it pop up at the top, and I saw him. I thought, "Oh, I like him. That'll do mm. for me." And then never got round to it. So when I'd kind of got into a hard TV viewing mode, watching the end of Succession, I thought, "No, I need something back more in my realm now." So yeah, well, um, updating that in a, in a couple of weeks. See how it fares. Excellent, Matt. What have you been watching, mate? So I finally. <laughs> Way, way behind the curve. Started watching the book of Boba Fett. Um, so I'm only like two episodes <laughs> down. Like the second episode that I like literally watched tonight was weird as fuck. Like him um, spending time with the Tuscans. <laughs> um, I was like, what? What is this nonsense? But I didn't not enjoy it. It was fun. But um, like from from the first scene where he's in like the pit of Sarlacc, I thought, oh man, they've got the like. They've got that that handle on nostalgia really, really well. Like you know, they 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 integrate all the stuff that's in the existing world mm. that we already know, but then like bring it into this original story. Which which I yes, I know that like for some, or I, I basically I think I know it becomes like just the Mandalorian series three uh, soon or something like that, basically, and yeah, all, all the rest of everything that we hear. And um, Sam was like, I, I don't understand what's going on, and I was like, You will trust me; it will all click into place sooner or later. Um, so I've, I've started watching that. Um, Sam's finished watching all in about the space of a week. Um, the Last Kingdom on Netflix. I swear, in all the time I've seen her watch it, like nothing's happened. Not a thing has actually physically <laughs> happened. It's just a lot of talking about people in Wessex, Sussex, and Litchfield. Like literally, that's all. Like nothing, nothing physically happened on screen the whole time I was watching it. With well, I never watched a full episode, but it looked like the most boring program I've ever seen in my life. Um, Peaky Blinders is back on TV now. Um, so I think we're three episodes in. Um, Stu, you haven't caught up yet, have you? So I don't want to. I won't no. go into too much detail. But I, um, I was going to say though, I haven't caught up. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch season five again. But the fact that no one has said a single thing about it is worrying. 
Well, uh, sort of. I don't remember Peaky Blinders ever leaning into the supernatural, like, ever, <laughs> really. And this series has, put it that way. So, not the supernatural, but, well, you, you'll find out, Stu, when you see it. Like, it's just been a weird series so far. And the end, like, the last 10 minutes as like of, of the latest episode has been the only thing that's, like, gripped me, really, at all. Um, I'm going to watch it because I've put so much time into watching it up to now. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to have to finish it. But yeah, it's not been it's not been fantastic <laughs> so far. Is this going to be the, the last season of it? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but the main thing taking up all of my time has been has been Elden Ring, the game for 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 Xbox. Well, it's, it's all platforms. I've been playing it on the Xbox. Um, a game where I've never, ha- I've never had such a steep difficulty curve. Not because the game's necessarily difficult, but it's just so unlike anything I've played before in terms of it not, it, it's not, not holding your hands. This is like the Madeline McCann saga of games. <laughs> There's so much neglect for its audience. It's unbelievable. Like it just doesn't help you at all. Doesn't give you any clues. It's massively unforgiving. Um they've just done a patch that was released today of time of recording where they've not dumbed it down a little, but they've like actually put in things on the map where your NCPs are for quests. So they've obviously like had uh, an influx of people going, this is fucking impossible and I can't do it. I'm sick of it. Um, and like they've made a few tweaks to kind of make it easier for the more casual player. And they've buffed a few of like the, the, the mechanics in the game or nerfed a few things. But I am really enjoying it now. But, you know, it has very much... I mean, I, I looked, I've, I've put 53 hours into Elden Ring so far. <laughs> and I've barely touched any of like the main campaign. And that's how I lo- that's what I like in, a, in an RPG. I like to barely do any of like the main story, like and just do everything else first. So you know, I, I am enjoying it. Uh, so to make it, I forgot. Um, Telling lies. It's on Game Pass at the mini. It's one of them um, them FMV uh, games. It's not very, not very long. You can play it in two or three hours, I suppose. Um, and you kind of got clues in the name. <laughs> It's it's watching video footage and kind of deciding certain things. It's if you've got if you've got Game Pass, I'll give it a go. It's it's still like fourteen quid on PSN. It's not worth it for that much. But for um, it's for like a, a throwaway kind of oh, that's a nice bite size alternative to torturing yourself like these twelve million other lunatics who bought this silly Elden Ring game. Done. Um, it might be worth a, a change of pace. I, I enjoyed it enough. It just. It was just very throwaway. <laughs> well, I have been so fucking busy at work. I have barely watched anything. Not to my normal standards, anyway. Um, last weekend, I watched Pieces of Her, the um, Netflix series with Tony Collette. Big fan of Tony Collette. I was I had high hopes. And it just ended up being a bit mid. It was just like a proper... It's a Karen Slaughter book. And it just felt like every other whodunity type show that you've ever seen ever. Like the Kristen Bell, um, the girl in the window opposite the man in the house, that comedy one, <laughs> that that was a better send up of the, the genre than like this one. I, I don't recommend it as much as I think Tony Collette's amazing. It didn't get the best data first, sadly. 
I watched The Adam Project with uh, the new Ryan Reynolds film. It's a bit shit, to be honest. <laughs> like most of the reviews I've read have been very middling. There was just nothing to it. It was a two-star film, if I'm being generous. I watched a film called The Seed on Shudder, which was about these three sort of Instagram models who go to a a, a retreat. It's one of the girls' father's house in the middle of nowhere to watch a meteor shower. And then this alien comes down, and it's a really scrungy, horrible horror that if it was made in the 80s, it would probably have been banned it's a bit nasty. It, it's sort of shit, but I enjoyed it at the same time. I'll, I'll probably touch on this when I do the video Nasty Andy uh, podcast, which is probably going to be next month at this point because I've just got so much on at work. Um, and I also watched Turning Red, the new Disney Plus um, Pixar film. Really enjoyed it. That, that's been the highlight of, of last weekend was watching Turning Red. The animation is fantastic. It's a really sweet, heartwarming story about a young girl becoming a woman sort of thing. I would imagine if you've got young kids, this would be the perfect film to show them to try and help them through that difficult part of life going from a child hitting puberty. Obviously, I know this is centred towards a girl, but I would imagine there's actually a story there for boys to, to take heart from as well. Really good, really enjoyed is this, myself. Is this a film about periods? Yeah, sort of. So when she turns into a teenager, when she has any feelings... She turns into a giant red panda. Obviously, mm. red panda is the euphemism for, for period. But it's awesome. Like It's a really good, heartwarming film that you expect from Pixar. And it, like you, like all of their films, there's more to it than meets the eye. Great film. Like It should have gone to the cinemas. Disney fucked up by putting it straight onto streaming again. But that's on them. So our individual questions. Stu, you're up first, please. Yeah, so this was inspired by the um, being <laughs> increasing nonsense of Bruce Willis films <laughs> that come out every two months at this rate. Well, we've had two in the first three months of this year. And after Midnight in the Switchgrass last year, I kind of I just thought to myself, could he ever be in a proper film again? And by proper film, I mean an actual thing that people know about that don't go to watch, don't watch to take the piss out of him, and that have actually done something and have actually made money. And I don't think he can. I don't think he can go back now because it's gone too far. And it's been what? And this is the thing how long do you have to go making terrible rubbish films or not making any films at all? before you're unobtainable again. I mean, I know John Travolta did it with Tarantino, in mm. a way, but Bruce Willis is never going to make a decent film again. Never. So what is the cut-off point? It's a good question, because I'm looking at his filmography now, um, and like I'm trying to find the last time he actually did a film that went to the cinema. 2019's Motherless Brooklyn, which I think was one of the first films of 2019. Um, so we're looking at, and since that point, he has made a lot of movies. So we've got Motherless Brooklyn, so we've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 films <laughs> since 2019 that he has made. And, you know, they're all straight to 
DVD or streaming or whatever. I mean, Between Two Ferns, the movie, which was uh, Zach Galinafki's piss take of a of a, a, a series, is probably the best reviewed one. Everything else is like Cosmic Sin two point five, Midnight in the Switchgrass four point. They're all like four three. They're terrible, terrible films, and it does feel like he has got to the point where he's ruined his career. And I think it's to do with the fact that it's so many films in such a short period of time. Had he have done like, you know, maybe two or three a year, he could recover from it. Because a lot of actors like John Travolta, who went through a barren spell before coming back with Pulp Fiction, and he's kind of fucked it again since, but he did nothing through that period of time where he vanished. Whereas Bruce Willis has just played ahead, doing more and more, doing more damage to his reputation. Whereas Travolta's reputation was that you just don't see him. And Willis's reputation is, I see him fucking all the time and it is terrible. <laughs> Which is not a good sign for him, really. It's like whenever you, whenever I re, like, refresh the old IPTV movie section, and you can guarantee now, wait, it's, it's once a month, there's a new film of him superimposed <laughs> on, <laughs> on a terrible background. Normally with, well, the last few have had that Neil McDonough guy as well. He, he's been worked yeah. into this nonsense with him. You think, why? Just why? I mean, we, we said a, a few weeks ago about, um, about Sandra Bullock reappearing from nowhere. Mm. She went away. She didn't, didn't do anything, came back, and now look at her. She's great. She hasn't yeah. ruined her career. No, she's got a new lease of life at the moment. It's quite good to see. So if you go with Bruce Willis fucking his career up <laughs> and making too many shit films, so can you, who, can, or, well, so it's kind of changing the question altogether, but is there anyone else who's done this? And is there a, a time between making a film and being irrelevant? Or is it like Andy says, making too many films in a certain space of time that are really, really bad that makes your career so unrecoverable from, from in, in a way that that's you done? Because I can't think of anyone apart from Bruce Willis, and that's where this question came from. Mm, it's yeah, I mean, he really has taken that mantle of going from actual mega superstar from a real hero to zero story. Um, I think there was a point in time, but that I think purely by not doing as many, but I think like people have really turned off Al Pacino over time. I know he's had a something of a renaissance when they did was it hunters or hunted or whatever it was called recently um that was on amazon prime the one where they were like nazi yeah, hunters yeah. um but apart from that i think like people had really started to turn off al pacino but he just wasn't pumping out drivel like like bruce willis was hmm. i think pacino did go through a period of time where he did a few like he did um 88 minutes which is a stinker, and it's got Lily Sobieski, who seems to be in everything awful. It, it's worth watching because <laughs> it's funny, but it's not a good film. Charlie Sheen kind of fucked his career up. I mean, he was never a superstar, in, you know, on the big screen at least. But he was he was a big name on TV who managed to go way off the fucking deep end. Mel Gibson, but then he's got the. The shortcut of being like a competent director, so he can make his own films, but it's just people don't want to see him because he's a bit of a cunt. <laughs> but they're the only ones who really spring to mind for me, to be perfectly honest. Who have had, you know, a, a, a bit of a downturn, but that that they did it not because of 
what they were doing on screen. It was more to do with what they're doing off screen. I think Willis is the first one who was acting his way into oblivion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Defeat out of the jaws of victory. Yeah, that's it, yeah. (laughs) I mean, Cosmic Sin is... I mean, we, we should do an uncage at some point on Cosmic Sin because it is a feast to the, for the eyes. Just how awful it really is. Is that the latest? Oh, no, that's not the latest one. That's, that's one the from one last before year. before the latest one, isn't it? That's the sci-fi one from last year. Oh, okay, right. It's hard to keep up with them because they've all got <laughs> odd names like Cosmic Sin, Midnight in the Switchgrass, Survive the Game, Apex. They're all a bit wishy-washy nothing sounding aren't they Mm. which i suppose is gonna just that's what they're trying to do is not give the game away that it's dirge i suppose right okay so matt your questions next please so a bit of a random one but i needed we need definition on this podcast that's what we're here for to to make defined answers so you don't need to search elsewhere or wonder where you're going to get these questions answered. So I want to know the best single syllable horror film. Now, just as a precursor, I will allow the to be excluded from the syllable count. Um, so, you know, you could have the birds. Birds? Is that a single syllable? Yes, it is. See, this is where I struggled because I was looking at someone and I was like, I don't know if that's a single syllable. I don't <laughs> think it is. Um... <laughs> well, for the, purposes, for the purposes of people at home, I always understood... And it's difficult not to do this in public without looking like an absolute weirdo. But you just got to put your hand under your chin, and as long as your hand doesn't touch your chin more than once, it's got one syllable. Okay, if that's that's the rule, is it? Okay. Yeah, basically, I think a syllable is if your your jaw moves. I think. <laughs> that's. I mean, to be fair, I'm a hundred percent sure that mine is definitely a single syllable. And it's Andy, it. okay, you go first. Yeah, it's it. The the most recent iteration of, of it, I thought, was fantastic movie. The first chapter was genuinely shit your pants scary in part. When they got locked into that household, and I can just imagine the kid who played Stanley, who um, I can't remember his name now, when um, when Pennywise the clown was hunting him down in that household. That kid must have been absolutely fucking terrified. I know I was as a viewer. So to have been there, like you could sense the actual dread of it. And I think that It Part 1 does stand alone as a very good film. Like You don't need to have seen the sequel. And the sequel isn't as good, but I did still enjoy that. It does go mm. a little bit off the deep end because most Stephen King films do. I think that's just how he generally writes them. But yeah, it I thought it was fantastic. It's it's become one of my favourite horror films since seeing it. Was it two thousand seventeen? Yeah, yeah, Brilliant. absolutely fair. Stu, what's yours? Yeah, that was that was on my list as well. But I knew he'd pick you anyway. So, I've, <laughs> I mean, when you when you said we could, you were allowing the into the uh, thing. I, I did have a couple for that as well. But the one that jumped out straight away to me was Jewel, Spielberg's first film um, about it. Yeah. Very naughty lorry, um, which I mean, it, well, it's basically being stalked on a highway by a a, a truck driver who you uh, do you see? Hmm. Not really the point. Um, and it's that constant. The lorry is always there in the background. It's a chase film, 
but it's if you watch it in the context that it's supposed to be made in the fact that it's a horror and it's a it's a it's a stalker film. That's it's pretty much all it is. It's weird. It's like trying to get anyone to watch this film. It's like you can't explain to it how good it is. Um, you hadn't even seen it yourself, Andy, hadn't you, for years? When no, I mentioned no. it a few years yeah. ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, Jill, it's one of the first horror films that I, I'd actually seen, if, it, if it's even classed as horror, which it probably, in a roundabout way, is, but that was the thing that sprung to mind first. Okay. I'd, um, speaking of it, have you ever seen Monster Man from 2003? That's a very, it's got similar vibes. It was like basically. The young couple end up enraging the yerk of some locals in a backwater bar and end up being chased by a lunatic in a monster truck. You know, basically rides up your street if you enjoy that, Stu. Have you ever seen Maximum Overdrive, which is basically the same film? Yeah. It's atrocious, but really good fun. Yeah. There used to be a tattoo parlour in Warsaw, which had the the Green Goblin front of the Overdrive lorry. They had that on the front of the um, on the front of their tattoo parlour. It's class. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, my my pick for this was there was a, it was a it was a choice between two really. Um, it was a choice between Saw, purely for what mm-hmm. I uh, you know, is it more is it more thriller, psychological thriller than horror? It's not necessarily a horror. It's a subgenre of horror, I suppose. Or bringing it more back to horror would be Wreck, as in REC mm-hmm. Wreck, um, which is out and out horror for me, and and, and a fantastic horror at that. Um, something that you know we'd we'd had found footage and stuff like that already, like well long before then, but it just took it to another level for me. It had an, an extra level of um, intensity and immersion in it that really scared the fucking living bejesus out of me. So Wreck probably would be my pick. Mm, it's a top call that one is. The two that there was one I wasn't sure if it was would be classed as single syllable it was alien. Alien. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid I, I wasn't sure if it would have been one or two because lean. Uh, but it's yeah, uh, yeah. I wasn't. Not Joe Lean, is he? No, that's true. <laughs> but I wasn't a hundred percent sure if it was would have been one or two because I don't know how it breaks down. And the other one that I want was um, Raw, the French film by the same director who did Titane. And it's a body horror film about someone who just delves into um, cannibalism. It's, it's really fucking excellent. And nothing has turned my stomach quite like seeing the girl in it eat the raw chicken. It's disgusting. It's the worst well, thing I've ever seen. Is that, remember when Patrice Evra licked that raw chicken? Uh, yeah, it's like that. It, it turns your stomach. You just see her lick it and then bite into it because she wants the taste of flesh after eating her sister's finger after it gets cut off. It's That's fucking nice. wild, but it is so, so good. Really top-notch stuff. And my question, it's a three-in-one question. Um, basically, the billion-dollar movie list which is available on Wikipedia if you just search for the highest grossing films. I want to know what is the best, what is the most important, and what is the most surprising of the billion-dollar movies. It can be one answer for all three or, you know, two for one, whatever you want. Stu? In the best, in The Dark Knight, just, it's like a beacon of excellence in, in, mm. a, 
in a sea of shit <laughs> in, <laughs> in a lot of cases in on there. Um, it speaks for itself. Surprising, I was amazed that Aquaman was on there. And I know we, we're talking recency bias here and obviously Tiggy Price, blah, blah, blah. But I went on the, the list now, not the Justice for Inflation one because she didn't say it other way. Um, but yeah, just because of, I know the whole Momoa thing at the time and whatever, but it's 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 a bit of fish, man. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not the most high profile superhero and it's DC, it's not Marvel. So you had the whole thing. And I thought that it was going to be pretty niche at the time. I thought, oh, this is a bit like Shazam in a way that, I mean, uh, yeah. Obviously, I knew who it was, but you you asked said Aquaman to anyone else, and they just laugh at you. You think, well, that's obviously a silly kids thing. So to make a, over a billion dollars is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, never expected in a million years. I mean, and most important, just just for how it advanced things and culturally as well, Jurassic Park mm-hmm. to make that much money in nineteen ninety three slash four. Uh, when he came out, and then subsequently, and then, and then it's you know I I even went to I, I've got it over there. It's three D re released, um, which actually wasn't bad, um, but the fact that the effects still hold up today, it changed how things were done with mm. practical and CG at the time, and that some people still need to learn how, like Primal, for example, how to use CG properly. Um, and use it sparingly when you can. Nothing's done that better than Jurassic Park. And you say Primal, fuck it. Spider-Man No Way Home had some of the worst CG in it that we've seen recently. So you are right. Like Jurassic Park's a really good shout. And that's the oldest film in the top 50 grossing movies of all time. Not adjusted for inflation. That That is incredible to think of. Obviously, we're so far down the line now that a billion dollars isn't worth a billion dollars in 1993. It's worth less. So it's fantastic to think that it's still holding in there. Matt, what do you think? So for the best of the Dark Knight, for obvious reasons, um, and and Jurassic Park, basically, um, Jurassic Park makes the most important list because I really like the Jurassic World reboot, re whatever you want to call it. Fallen Kingdom was okay, it was decent, it wasn't terrible, but Dominion mm. looks fantastic and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, the most important, though, I've put down is Infinity War and Rogue One um, because I don't think nearly half of this list post-Infinity War gets anywhere close if it wasn't for how good Infinity War was and how big of a spectacle it was um, and how, at the time, you know, I, I think the end of Infinity War, so I, I'm not that huge fan of Endgame in comparison to Infinity War. And I just think mm, that it yep. just set a catalyst of everybody just had to get as much as they could because Infinity War was that good, basically. Um, and Rogue One very much was, it might not be, so I might be missing the point. So I know you had like the TV shows and stuff like um, the Clone Wars prior to Rogue One and stuff like that. Um, but Rogue One for me was the first like non just Star Wars thing I'd seen. Do you know what I mean? It just mm. wasn't an episode four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever they are. Whereas Rogue One was something completely different. And actually it, it I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes to just wanting more of Star Wars that isn't that is more of the universe, just not just the main story. So that's why I think it was really important. 
Um, and surprising would be would be Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerers for our American counterparts. <laughs> um, it only has just made a billion with a Chinese re-release, um, which I just think is bizarre because, like, Harry Potter is one of the biggest, I'd probably say, like, a top five earning or biggest franchise of all time mm. when it comes to like it's as a property so the fact that it's only just made a billion really surprises me but there's there's going to be the reason for that as well is it look at the amount of people who saw it who actually went in on on child tickets lower cost yeah i suppose that would have an impact wouldn't it but these, but these people have to be supervised by adults yeah but you, you'll take one adult it's like take one and a half feet rather than two so that's pro- that's probably why. Mm, that's true. Well, then again, I do, well, yeah, I, maybe with Philosopher's Stone, yes, but certainly, like, I mean, me and Sam saw me and Sam saw the twentieth anniversary of Philosopher's Stone recently, and there was no children in that crowd. <laughs> like, because you're all grown up now. That's why. Yeah, well, we're all grown up now. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, that, that is quite an interesting one because I suppose Philosopher's Stone because it was the first film in the series. But then, then again, Harry Potter was big when that film was out, wasn't it? It's not yeah. like it was a new thing that nobody knew about. They were like four books deep at that point. So, but yeah, only, that, that only the Deathly Hallows Part 2 made a billion as well. Oh, shit, okay. So it's like the first and the last, which is quite weird. Mm, very much so. Uh, my answer is, is The Dark Knight as well. That That is the best one on the list. Looking at the list, there's not a lot of great films on there, surprisingly. Um, as we've said millions of times, that box office does not equate quality, and it very much shows that to be the case here. I think the most important one, and it pains me to say it, I think is Avatar, because I think that really has made huge strides outside of what it was because the film itself is not that good as everyone knows it's really not and the fact that that is still the number one grossing film of all time at 2.85 billion (laughs) dollars that is astounding just an incredible amount of money for a bang average film but it's obviously because of all the marketing that went into it and all of the 3d which was it wasn't new because we've had 3D since the 1930s. It was a new version of 3D, I suppose, is what you'd call it. It was like a re-release of 3D. Um, so, yeah, I think Avatar is a very important film. It's sad that it's just a bit shit, to be perfectly honest. Excellent. And I've I've never... Ac- I've got it there. Remember when... Because it, it came out on HD DVD and not Blu-ray. Yeah. It was exclusive to HD yeah. DVD for years. So I never, I never watched it. So I've only seen it at the cinema, the, the, those two times. Like I've got it now. I've got it over there. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm readying myself for November and um, to watch it before the uh, the second one comes out. Mm. But I, I can't imagine imagine watching that flat. It just doesn't seem right to me. Well, I've only ever seen it in the flat, and yeah, it wasn't like. Oh, there you go. So you you mocking it again, mocking it without true context. They should like, come round here and we'll watch it here properly. It's a date. <laughs> yeah, better than last Christmas. Oh God, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My most surprising. I gotta say, 
Transformers Age of Extinction. By the time that that film rolled around, I can't believe there was still enough interest to get people in there to make that over a billion dollars. I mean, it's the second most, the second highest of the Transformers because Dark of the Moon was higher. But I understand why Dark of the Moon was higher because that was the third film, if I remember correctly. So there was still a bit of fascination about the movies and, and what have you. So I get that. But Age of Extinction, people had grown weary of Transformers by that point, surely. So I'm kind of stunned that that is sitting in 30th place currently on the, the top 50. And it got to that stage as well with Transformers where it, it was just, where it was kind of people who'd, who'd enjoyed the first few and then took it upon themselves to kind of defend it at all costs, like me, <laughs> who, who did it in a kind of ironic way. I mean, mm. instead of curiosity, what did the last night make? Because it's not going to be on there. No, it's um, not on the list. I dread to think. Because that, that pile of... In 2017, let's have a look. Box office. I mean, that thing, it killed it. It killed everything. $605 million. So just over half of what the previous film made. And yeah, Bumblebee uh, made less than that. That made 468 Still, Still over double, it, double its budget. So, but yeah, I, I never even thought about it. I just can't believe that they're that high, especially the later ones. I don't believe that people are interested. Similarly for um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest and On Stranger Tides are in there. Like this, uh, On Stranger Tides is the second one, isn't it? I think. No, it's the fourth one. Dead Man's Chest's the third. Uh, no, it's the second. That was terrible. Like a really bad film. The fourth one, there'd been a bit of a wait though, hadn't there? So you might, that might factor into it. Maybe. But yeah, there are some real stinkers in that list that, yeah, it, it really does prove our point of box office does not equal quality. Right, so we'll do a quick quiz and then we'll call it a day. Right, okay, so before I ask the questions, I wanted to tell you this review because it was excellent, but I can't use it because you wouldn't have a clue what it was. Um. <laughs> The review was, was this a used DVD or, and that has just been resealed? Uh, why does it smell like an old woman? It smells so bad, it's making my whole living room smell bad. I am very <laughs> unhappy with this. <laughs> that was for gravity. Like, you'd never have got it, but <laughs> it just really tickled me that someone had taken the time to put that review on Amazon. Maybe the air had been sucked out of it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Uh, so, Matt, we'll get to be you first. And okay. the review is, did not know it was a musical. Did At 1965, not... I said I was going to give you the, the year. So, what year was it, sorry? 1965, did not know it was a musical. Uh, it's got to be Singing in the Rain. Oh, no. Like, that's a good guess, but it's not. Oh. Stu? 1965. He ain't going to be Sound of Music, is he? Sound of Music? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's the other big hitter from back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Like I see, it's a good, it's going to be one of the other, isn't it? So, yeah. Uh, Stu, not a Christmas movie, 1988. Well, it's like Die Hard or Lethal Weapon, ain't it? So it's like Die Hard. It's Die Hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matt. It's just awful. My heart cannot go on. It's got to be Titanic. 
It's Titanic. <laughs> um, Stu, the star is Tom Hanks. The guy is a legend. He lost a bunch of weight for this, like an unhealthy amount. He should get all the awards. And if you don't like this movie, you should feel bad about your life. 2000. 2000? Oh, no. Um, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Tom Hanks films in 2000. I'm ready to steal. Castaway. It's Castaway. (laughs) Snatched it at the death there. Matt. The criminal... They are criminals, but nobody deserves to be hit in the head over and over again with a brick. 1992. (laughs) They're criminals. No one deserves to be hit in the head with a brick. I don't know. Home Alone 2. It's Home Alone 2. I can't win there. To round it off. Am I the only one that is creeped out by these guys in tights? They purposely didn't cover their private areas. Disgusting Hollywood creeper vibe. 2003. 2003. Guys in tights? No, no. That's far too late for that. Prince of like 90. Six, oh yeah, of course it was because I I watched that in school, in primary school. Yeah. Read, Matt, read, read the review again, please. Am I the only one that is creeped out by these guys in tights? They purposely didn't cover their private areas. Disgusting Hollywood creeper vibes. Guys in tights is really the um the, the main part. It's two thousand and three was the year. Guys in tights. Oh. It's not like Blades of Glory, is it? <laughs> you are kind of close there. It's Elf. It's the oh, other world film. Yeah. I think I deserve a bonus point for that, but never, never mind. You, you come close on two occasions there, to be fair, Matt, but Stu ran away with it here. Right, so next week is the film we had originally planned for last... Or, yeah, for last week, which is Vampire's Kiss, Cage's most memed movie, which I'd argue that nobody has seen, but everybody knows just <laughs> from the gifts on Twitter. Obviously, it's available to rent, but check out justwatch.com and see where it is streaming near you. Make sure you've got us on Twitter, Insta, and if e- any emails, cagefightingpod at gmail.com. Uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate your time and thank you for sending in your questions. It makes it worthwhile what we do. So for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. Look after yourselves and stay safe. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Enjoy the heat wave this week, people. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. And remember, hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Oh, 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 oh,